Welcome to Venturesome, the podcast about being fiercely ambitious, brave, and curious. I'm Rachel Esterline Perkins, and we're talking about how to get a step ahead in your career. This podcast is all about taking risks, overcoming uncertainty, and being creative in our lives and careers. How do people perceive you, and does it align with how you view yourself? Personal branding has become a buzzworthy phrase over the past decade. In this episode, I'm talking to Melanie Spring about personal branding and storytelling. Melanie is known as the approachable badass. She is focused on helping people with public speaking and personal brand development. Melanie is also the founder of the Kick-Ass Humans Club, which you can join from her website, melaniespring.com. Be sure to check out the blog on venturesomepod.com for resources on building your personal brand and my own story about a survey I did to find out how people perceived me. Let's jump into our interview with Melanie Spring. I thought it was really interesting. One of the things I've heard you say is that everything you've been through adds up to who you are today. And so to start our conversation, can you share a bit about yourself and how your experiences have shaped who you are and who you have become? Over my lifetime, I was in marketing, I was in sales, I was in HR. And as I got into branding and really thinking about why I was even good at branding, I started realizing that there was a thread through everything that I had done in my career and how it didn't actually look disparate once I finally looked back on it. Everything equaled what it was that I was really good at. So looking back at my life, I was thinking about all the pieces that really created who I was and what that made my personal brand. And since I'm in branding and looking at personal branding, it kind of became a little bit of a mashup. You have the story about how you sent out a survey to help you better understand how people perceived you. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how it helped you? Sure. I was working on a survey because I had to shift my entire business. I was in branding and I had done business branding for my entire career. And I wanted to be a professional speaker and be able to take everything that I had learned and put it into just professionally speaking full time. And so I had to build my own personal brand. I had a business that was based on my imaginary friend, Cicerina, and I had to actually build something just saying, hi, this is me and this is who I am, not hiding behind anything. So I sent it out to about 500 people asking for their feedback. And I had a whole bunch of questions. There were probably 15 or 20 questions in that. And I had actually recently found it, (laughs) started looking through what people said. But the questions all led back to what I was perceived as to other people and who I was to other people and how people thought of me when they thought of me or what they read when they read stuff by me or how they felt anytime they encountered me, whether it was in person or online. And at the end of the day, it helped me come up with where I got approachable badass because I got about 300 responses to that survey. And it was amazing to look at that perception and really start building the personal brand of who I really was, and then start owning up to that at the same time. Yeah, so I sent out a survey as well after listening to that, and I thought it was really interesting. So I just posted it to my social media, not to you know email it to as many people. But it was really interesting because there were words that I definitely associated with myself, and then there were some that surprised me. 
And so it was just really a fascinating experiment to send that kind of survey out there and not be certain about what you're going to get back. For sure. It's a, it can be fascinating. Most people are afraid of it, though. It's interesting how most people, when they think about it, they're like, ooh, I don't know if I want other people to say what they think about me. But in reality, they're already doing it anyway. So asking them, at least you get a, an insight into what people are actually thinking. And if you saw in your responses, most of it's good. Like, And most of it's helpful if it's not just great. It's also really helpful to let us see, oh, interesting. I didn't know you thought about that. Why? Why do you think that about me? Do you think that that could be a good exercise for people to do in general to help build their brands? Like, how do you think that could help a young professional, maybe someone fresh out of college or just starting their career? I think people should do it at least once a year to kind of get a a gauge on who they are now. Like, if I looked at myself when I was 22, fresh out of college, trying to figure out my way in the world, people would have definitely said different things than they would say now, now that I'm 40. So 18 years can give a very different view of who you are. But at the same time, I think anybody, every one of us has a brand, but it, and it's not just about like, do I want my personal brand out there? Your personal brand is already out there. So making sure that people can see it, whether it is just your social media, like if it's your Instagram or your Facebook or your LinkedIn, how are people seeing you there? Not just, oh, I need to build a website and market myself. Like you're already marketing yourself. So how can you make sure you're using the perception that's out there in your favor or fixing it if it's not necessarily in your favor? Definitely. I like that suggestion, doing it once a year, or even if you're doing it every couple years, it can give you a sense of how you're evolving too. Yeah. Because if you, if you're starting to shift it, if you're starting to go, okay, well, I see these things, but I don't see these things. How can I be more that way? I actually had a woman at a conference come up to me after I spoke and she said, you are a hundred percent an approachable badass. The problem is, is you don't dress like it. And I was like, okay, tell me more. She goes, your hair, your makeup, your glasses, all of that on point. But your outfit, like, why do you just wear all black? And I was like, because I sweat through everything. And she's just like, oh, honey, we can fix that. And I was like, okay, well, then tell me what to do. And she was a personal stylist. And I ended up, she came to my house for five days, went through my whole closet, helped me go shopping, like Nordstrom, Nordstrom Rack, like found the best deals, the coolest stuff. And now I actually dress like I actually feel because then I know how to dress myself. I mean, I'm not an expert in dressing myself. So like, why would I care about those things? I have a hairdresser and a makeup artist and I have people who help me with things. Why not my own personal style? And once I finally owned that, I was like, oh, it's another piece of the puzzle. It's another thing that I need to make sure that I'm doing so that I can show up everywhere, even on Zoom meetings and on stages showing up the same way. So it's amazing the things that we need to continue to address. It's never, it's never ending. <laughs> it's always something. I think that's a really good lesson and taking feedback, you know, is you embrace the feedback. It wasn't like I dress like this and, you know, I'm approachable and I'm a badass. And so I'm going to I can do, do I what I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that it, it was a five day process of taking that feedback, which is a commitment. Yeah. It is a huge commitment. <laughs> that's awesome. So I think sometimes people, especially young professionals, become paralyzed by fear or by overwhelm or because they don't like feeling vulnerable. So how can a young professional push forward through that feeling and really find their voice early in their career? I think a lot of young professionals are doing that these days. Like my, when I was a young professional, that was definitely not something we were allowed to do was respond to things the way that people do now. But at the same time, a lot of people also aren't. And I think one of the things you can do to practice that is to is to start with the you're welcome. Have you do you remember me talking about that on 
the other podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the whole idea of you're welcome is an, an internal process that you can take on when you're about to walk into a room. So especially as women, we tend to walk into rooms with the I'm sorry attitude instead of the you're welcome attitude. A lot of men, even young men walk in with the you're welcome. I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. And not all men, this is a masculine versus feminine energy thing, not necessarily just a sexuality thing, but it's also something that a lot of us forget that if we can say you're welcome in our heads, it gives us the confidence to walk in and say, I'm here, I have something to say, and I'm willing to say it. Where if we walk in with the I'm sorry attitude, we're apologizing for saying anything or speaking up or being willing to raise our hand and say, I have something I want to say. So it gives us the practice of continuing to do that. And even if we're doing it at the beginning where we don't believe it, it's really important to just start the practice of it, especially early in life, because it helps you figure out what your voice really does sound like so you can say things. You also have shared a story about when you were being told that you were too much. And I think that really resonated with me. And so, you know, I've been too ambitious and too bossy and too snarky. So what's your advice for those who have been too much for those around them? Well, too much and not enough are basically the same thing. So if you feel like you're not enough of something or you're too much of something. It's the same thing on this. It's a, just a different side of the spectrum of the same thing. And I was, I was definitely told, I mean, from a young age that I was too fidgety and too tall and too skinny and too loud and too, I talked too much. I did too many things. I had too many ideas. And once I finally realized that I wild and free was what I really was, it wasn't about the fact that I was too much that I wild and free is a good thing. Too much is a bad thing, but it's really the same thing. So being able to embrace it and say, yeah, and this is who I am, not but this is who I am, and this is who I am, and I'm okay with it, I'm happy with it, and I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to find the right places to not have to apologize for that. I'm going to go into the right rooms so, so that I can be this person that I really am and be accepted by the people who, who need to love you. The, the human who is your significant other can love you as that perfect amount of whatever, whether you believe it's not enough or too much. But as soon as you start realizing that it's the thing that you are, and that's a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it allows you to start owning it and saying, this is me, you're welcome. And I think another point I've taken from a lot of the other things that I've read and listened to with you is that storytelling is a huge part of what you do, you know, on stage, but also coaching other people and helping them share their stories. So what are some ways you think young professionals should be embracing and using their story to advance? Well, I mean, the basics of that is little things like keeping track of the things that you've done or the things that people have said about you, especially in a positive light and taking, taking care to keep those somewhere. So we may be having like a little file of things that people have written you via email or have said out loud to you or have given you praise for things. Taking note of that, a lot of times we forget those things. A lot of times we hear all those great things and then we hear one negative thing and we focus on that one thing. But in order for us to remember our own stories, we have to take story storage is what I call it, is keeping a place like a journal or a notebook or a file, an actual file in a filing cabinet if we want to, or a file on your computer somewhere like Evernote and keeping track of all of those in one place so we can go back and look at those and think, oh, these are the amazing stories of me and my job and my life and my personal life, my professional life, my clients, my 
other colleagues, the awards I've won, the wonderful things people have said, to remind ourselves that our stories are amazing. And then to also be able to share them when we're asking for promotion or getting a new job or asking for a raise and saying, here's the data, here's the actual content, the facts and figures that I can show you that I've done this. And being able to tell it in story form of when those things happened helps really make sure that your stories come through when you want the things that you need. That's really good advice. Yeah, I have something like that. And uh, my friend was the one who shared the idea with me and she called it her smile file, which I really <laughs> liked. I think that's really great advice. And I think another place where they really can be using stories is in their cover letters. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to read your job history. And so I'm always telling them, tell a story. Why do you want this job? Because everybody who's applying wants the job. So like give a real reason, not just, well, I have a background in PR and I'm applying for this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being able to customize it a little too for that. I mean, I, when I was a headhunter way back in my early career, I, I took people out of companies and put them in new ones. So I was always reviewing cover letters and resumes and thinking, okay, but this is the job you really want. How can you promote yourself to that specific job and use a story that fits that person? So maybe look them up on LinkedIn and think, okay, what kinds of things are they posting? What kind of thing could I share with them to help them know that I actually am interested in the thing that they're doing or the company that they're with or read their case studies or their blog posts and reference those things, being really clear to customize it. Most people just send out blasts of cover letters and resumes. And I'm like, did you even remember that it was the right name for the person in that department? Or is Susan getting something that Tommy should have been getting? So making sure that you're really careful with sharing those stories and having a general one, but being able to customize it can really help too. Definitely. I want to end the conversation with one question, and that is, what is some bold advice that you would give to your younger self? I would say that everything you want is on the other side of the nose. And every time you get a no, there's always going to be the thing that you want after it. Because the stuff that we get in our lifetime, I mean, if I went back the last 20 years of my career and thought about everything that I ended up getting, it was more than I ever wanted. And it's all about manifesting. I talk about manifesting all the time and how it's not a woo-woo thing. It's not something you sit on the couch and wait for something to show up. I mean, your significant other is not going to knock on your door tomorrow unless it's the UPS guy, which it could be. So that's fine. But making sure to put yourself out there and decide what you want, like be really clear about what you want, write it down, make a plan and work on it every single day. And when you do that, that's when you actually get to show up for yourself. So knowing that the no's are the things that are leading to the yeses, I mean, it's, it sounds a little cliche, but it is so true. <laughs> That's really great advice. Yeah, I was speaking to a group of CMU students recently, and the professor was asking me, you know, how, how do you just go out and do the things that you do or, and have gotten to where you are in your career? And I said, honestly, because the worst thing somebody's going to say is no, and I don't really care if they say no, because at least I asked the question. Amen. And if they say, and usually if they say no, usually that just means not right now. And then I'll just ask again later in a different way. And maybe I'll get the answer that I want. Yep, exactly. Yeah. If you know what you want, you can ask for it. So absolutely. I like that. So then what's next for you and what do you want listeners to know? One of the things that we're working on is my Manifest Your Life workshop. And it's a simple workshop that helps people figure out what they want, write it down, make a plan, and then work on it every day. So manifesting, I call it manifest that shit, but it's also manifesting the life that you want, regardless of a global pandemic or regardless of things shutting down again, but deciding what you want and doing it and knowing that you can do it 
but nothing's gonna stop you from doing it. So that's what, that's what I'm doing next. <laughs> Thanks for listening to VentureSum. I'd love to hear from you about the strategies you're using to get a step ahead or topics you'd like to hear me cover on the podcast. You can email me at VentureSumPodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at VentureSumPod. VentureSum.